We are Science Fiction Remnant, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 10, Game Detroit Become Human, for July 25th, 2020. Warning, this episode contains spoilers. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode for Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back. We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoy creating it for you. We have an exciting episode ahead of us. Do you like this show or know anyone who might like this podcast? Please share it. It would help us greatly in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant and share any comments you have about this podcast. We appreciate your help and support. Thank you. Welcome back to our show, everyone. We are very excited to have you in this episode. We're going to talk today about a very, very, one of the best games that I have played ever. This is just like playing a movie. What do you think, Robert? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually introduced this game to, um, to you, um, and <clears throat> I was surprised that you've uh, never heard of this game before. This Detroit Become Human. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, we rented and we just started going through the motions with it. And it was just like, we couldn't stop. You actually needed to go early to bed the yeah. first day. Yeah. And we just stayed till late because we just couldn't stop. That's the problem with good games is like, you can't, you can just play. I mean, you have to continue. You want to know, especially with this game. This game is, um, actually the description is, um, is a game where you control the outcome. So every decision you make controls the story. So it, it's it's kind of like watching a movie that you are part of it that all your actions um, take control and it changes the story to the point that if you go back and redo some of the op- some of the uh, f- uh, forks in the road, the story takes a complete different shape. So you are you know basically the the robots and humanity are like depending on you. So every option you they you, you you actually take on this game controls the, this entire world to the final outcome and and I mean the best part of it is that you're simultaneously playing several characters at once yep. Yep. so it's it's a total mind trip I mean you're going through the motions and you literally at some parts you even have to adapt that you're playing against yourself practically <laughs> yeah, yeah there was a part in there that you were actually playing against yourself that was kind of trippy. <laughs> I told you, like, when we're going through it, I was like, man, I feel like I'm playing chess against myself. Like, this is messed up. <laughs> yeah, this, this game was really, really cool. I mean, uh, a couple of things that I found out. This game was actually, um, it, it was first announced in October 2015. And I remember this vividly. Uh, Quantum, Dream, uh, Quantum Dreams, I think that's the name of the company, released a trailer. Um, back then, about a character named Kara that was just being built, um, and it was very, very dramatic. Um, this trailer, I mean, if you're not careful, you actually cry. And this, yeah. where the character of Kara was um, being built, and uh, there was a series of questions that the person behind the screen that you like never the, get to see, like the quality control person, quality right? control, yes. And he was asking a couple of questions, and he, uh, I guess, discovered that 
Kara was uh, self... Um, it was basically what they call in the game a deviant. Uh, when you become self-aware. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, crap, I gotta, you know, we gotta disassemble you. We gotta, I don't know what happened, because this can't really go into... Because he's building it to go to the stores. And as the parts are being taken away from Kara, um, you know, legs and arms and all the stuff, before when it was just the head, she just kind of screamed, saying, like, I can't be destroyed. I was just born. And that was a very emotional... Oh, yes. Very emotional part in there where the unseen character actually stopped and decided to go ahead and rebuild her. And then it, it actually said, okay, don't don't give me any trouble. And, and she just, just go back into the production line. And just go on and join the others. And she got into a box where there's a lot of other models just like her. And she turned around and said, thank you. So that, I'm sure I wasn't the only one. When that trailer hit, uh, it, it was like, whoa. You know, number one, the the... the 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 visual effects on oh a game, and, and I remember back then when I was watching that trailer, I was like, "This could not be a PlayStation." Mm -hmm. And I remember I had my PlayStation Three at the time, and it's like, "Wow, this doesn't look like a PlayStation game." And and I mean, what do you think? I mean, it's the quality is exactly the same. Uh, granted, it's a PlayStation Four, but whoa. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, my opinion, I think that we are in a fantastic era. We are going into the era where video games are literally uh, blurring the line between what looks real and what looks like a game. Mm -hmm. And like we have discussed before, there's actual actors for all the characters along the game. Yeah. So it's not just merely designing a computer. This is actually... It's what I say. It's just literally like a movie that you get to play it out what's going to be the outcome of it. And it kind of is a full immersive experience at the same time. Because you get very, very hooked into the story and you're playing the characters. So at some point, you end up feeling some kind of relatability and even empathy yeah. for the characters in many levels. And, and you know, they... Uh, the uh, Quantic Dreams did a really great job. And I, in my opinion, I think the character of Kara was the, you know, was the, 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 the character that started it off. Mm -hmm. And I think that if the overall, you know, audience did not feel the, you know, the, the, the you know, what they felt when they watched that first trailer back in 2015 then the company would i don't i i like to think the company would not have uh continued and in, in, in completed this game so it was something that you i don't know if you know but the character of kara was played by valerie uh, curry and i think she did an amazing job oh there were a hundred um there was a hundred actors um that were they were uh, auditioning for the part, and she got it out of the hundred um, actors. But she uh, and I don't know if you guys have uh, seen this game, but this game uh, was actually um, created using the likeness of the actors, uh, using the, the common um, transfer scanning transfer process they used to make the CGI movies, and 
this person, Valerie, was an amazing performance. And, I mean, I felt everything she did. I totally agree with you. And, and honestly, this is what I come back to say. This is just really a movie. Like, I am, I am sure that the way that they cast every actor and actress in the game, their personality was a big uh, influencer in who was going to be picked up for each role. Uh, just like they do in any movie, they, they actually try out a lot of uh, individuals for a position or who's going to be each character. But your personality and how that plays out and how the chemistry plays well with this character in the fictional story, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. eminent for you to be picked on for it. And yep. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Kara uh, did an amazing job uh, playing out uh, Android that had emotions, that was an independent thinker, but also was sensible enough to realize the surroundings and the decision-making that it takes with, uh, with all of its... Uh, consequences yeah so yeah. which is part of the things that make the progress of the game so tense yeah. like i noticed that many of the times that we were playing the game both of us were at the edge of our seats waiting oh, for what yes. was gonna happen oh, yes. <laughs> uh, there was a, a couple of parts there that were really stressful so <laughs> yeah we we have to go and, and and distress after playing some of those uh scenes um we do have big names on, on this thing i mean uh, you have um, Jesse Williams is playing Marcus. Oh, I um, love that actor. Actually, <laughs> I mean, like I told you before, to me, I mean, Cara did, uh, Cara did an amazing job, but Marcus was my favorite Andrea of all of them. I don't know because he's the revolutionary, but mm -hmm, like I know mm -hmm. this actor also for previous works, and I really like his work. Uh, but I mean, I think that he did fantastic, and his role in the whole story was just amazing. Yeah, we have um, Minka Kelly is actually playing North. Mm. Um, I'm sure you, you don't recognize her, but I mean, she's she's really cool. I've seen some oh, of yeah, her work. Oh, yeah, she did a fantastic job. Um, and we have Lance Hendrickson. He's playing Carl. He's, uh, I mean, he, he, I've seen so many movies from this guy. From all humans, he's my favorite. You might think that Hank is very good. No, man. Yeah. For me, Carl was the the best human that the whole game played out. I mean, I love the mentality, his ethics, uh, his code of conduct and moral values. I mean, I felt very identified with him. Like, yeah. I would act the same way that he did, and he's like a revel in, in, in his soul at the yeah. same time. Like, he has a lot of, like, humor in his interaction with Marcus and everybody else, mm -hmm. and a lot of sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he was just fantastic and great. I did love it. I, I, I like... I like Hank, actually. He's uh, played by Clancy Brown. Mm -hmm. um, if you've ever seen Starship Troopers, he is the uh, sergeant. Um, and I, I don't know. I just like this actor. And, and I think movie. he brought in that performance <laughs> over to this game perfectly. Oh, yeah. Know? He was like a badass diehard. <laughs> <laughs> he was awesome. He was awesome. So, yeah, this, this game is, is amazing. And, you know, the game actually cost about... 30 million euros, which is about wow. 34, um, I think it's about 34, 34 million, million dollars. Yeah. Uh, and he sold a total of 3.2 million copies. Now that at, at a $20 a piece, uh, I want to say, I, I'm not sure that I'm correct in this, but, or my math is correct, but it should be around six, um, $600 million. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, this if that is correct, then this they made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you hit right. Like it was it was about that that amount. It's six. You said sixty that sixty millions. No, I said uh, six hundred million dollars. Hmm. I mean uh, six yeah six hundred million dollars. Now, if you think about this as the future of a movie. Oh my god. Um, movie inter. This would be like an interactive movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. So if you notice this, I mean, uh, what studio wouldn't wouldn't want to like do this? I mean, there's no overhead basically. Hey, like the meme says, why are we not funding this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just have maybe ILM or you know some computer company design. You know, and then just uh, screen capture the actors and just do voiceover. That's why animation is so cheap to produce mm -hmm. because you have, well, not necessarily cheap, but you have to pay cheaply this, this, um, the, the drawing actors, you know, but uh, I mean, the, the, the artists, but this over here, you don't have to pay the sets. All you have to do is get the actors into a, a booth. This could be even done in the, corona era yeah where you know you Social can just distancing is a must <laughs> <laughs> so you have the actors going into a booth and recording and then you just have you know their 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 characters uh, animated into a computer and voila and then the only thing is that i notice is and i don't know if this plays a part into why the game was released so late because it was announced in 2015 but mm -hmm. it was released in uh 2018s so it, they had to record all, po well, not all, but all the possible scenarios they could think of to release the movie. And, and, and that's what makes it so interactive is that they have accounted for some of the, um, it's, it's not open world, you know, but it, it would kind of be impossible for, for it to be an open world. Um, it would probably take a lot longer to release. <laughs> and, and I mean, this is one of the constructive criticisms that I share with you that I realized on the gameplay experience of the game is that uh, when you're moving around, there is a limited amount of interactions you can do around the map that you're released on. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really make it an open world. It's like you have uh, a track for you to run and you have X amount of interactions that you can bump into or run into and you still get to pick if you want to actually action on them or not. Yeah. Which, yeah. It, like, that's one of the most intricate things about this game is that every little interaction that you pick to do or not to do will affect in a positive or negative way the final outcome of the whole story you're playing in yeah yeah <laughs> so it kind of put a big responsibility on you to like a pressure like i don't want to screw this up man and i want a good outcome or yeah. some people actually just want to screw it up die everybody <laughs> I, yeah i remember when i first uh, started playing this game there wasn't that many tutorials online and it, yeah it was just like you know you have to take you know the action and if it didn't bring the outcome that you wanted you have to kind of like scrap it over and start over because everything on that scene gets deleted and then you have to take the other action and, and i guess that's how they created those uh, those millions of um tutorials that you find out on youtube yeah but it's like in every tutorial that i hear and that i see there is a different outcome on this game and this is what's so cool is the fact that you take 
control of the story. This is a fully interactive movie. And I don't know if you remember, actually, when we hit the, the roadblock where Marcus is having the dispute uh, with Carlson, we actually were pretty displeased with the outcome that we got. So we mm-hmm. actually didn't continue. We wanted to get in a specific outcome because we, is what I told you, these actors and actresses do such an amazing job. You actually grow attached to the characters. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in this part, Marcus gets shot and you're like, shit, he gets killed. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. And then you go back and he gets killed again. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's, that's one of the interesting parts about the game too is that sometimes you don't like how things go. You get to go back, actually discover through making different decision-making processes, what's going to happen if you just change your options too. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of the day, you keep on realizing whatever I do still is going to change what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it affects, I mean, not only the ending of the game, it affects every other scene thereafter. You know, it's, it, all, everything is based on the actions that you that you have taken. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and we can actually talk ob- about the gameplay that we actually took, but I can guarantee you, you play it yourself and you might get some of the outcomes that we describe or you might get a completely different out- outcome or a combination because um, this is how interactive this game is and why we love this so much. Oh yes, and and I mean, uh, you you did realize like as we were playing, like there were some decisions where we were trying to keep a, a peaceful uh, diplomatic relationship mm-hmm. between what the Andrews were trying to do and the humans, and then we came to the realization, okay, we either had to pick to self-sacrificing or war, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So like, it, it puts a big pressure on on the person that is experiencing. Uh, this game like like you you want an outcome and i noticed that along the whole game there are indicators that tell you your your stance with every character that you interact with in every episode so it would tell you depending on your decisions if actually you dropped on your trust levels with x character or if you're actually gaining trust and becoming a friend with the other yeah. uh, and these are part of the things that actually gets your brain ticking because you want to achieve the best better outcome at yep. the end of the time you know <laughs> yeah so yeah this this game um is basically an adventure game played from a third person uh, perspective and um you're subject to a set of controllable perspective uh, perspectives um, which I, it's understandable because, um, like I said before, if you had an uncontrolled, that means you had to take a lot more choices and the game would be, it probably take 10 years to make, Yeah, you know? So there's multiple player characters that you play, uh, concurrently. So in, in ma- mix and match, you can go from one to the other, or there was one scene where you can play it all at once. Yeah. And there is an... Um, I think it's the last one. You actually no, have them all together. Yeah. And then there's another one where there's two of them, the mo- one important. Now, the cool thing about this, if you notice, is that this game has no game over. No, it doesn't. And that's the thing. Even when you achieve an outcome that might seem negative, like if... Actually, one of the androids dies before the actual end of the story. It's an achievement that you unlock because it's still a different outcome that you got from all the multiple 
scenarios mm-hmm. that you get available to achieve. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of something I found very curious. It's like, uh, doesn't matter if like, oh, I got Kara kill or mm-hmm. I got Marcus kill or Connor. It's still an achievement that you unlock that is going to define the end story in a different, mm-hmm. complete way. So uh, let, let's try to, you know, dissect our gameplay or, or the movie they ended up from our decisions. How do you remember how we started the game? Well, I mean, the game does start with Kara uh, in Todd's house. And she's only being brought back because she just got the crap beat out of it. <laughs> and he was reconstructing her and he was giving a bullshit story about she getting hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, we, we actually met uh, Tara's in the store and uh, the owner just came and uh, picked her up. And the guy at the store said like, whoa, you know, she was really messed up. What happened? And that's when, you know, he said what you mentioned. Um, and then he takes Kara back to her uh, to his house, and we are immediately hating this character. Mm-hmm. He is a complete jerk. No, a pretty messed up human being, actually. I mean, we we get to learn really quick that he's a drug addict that is doing chronic drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, with no control. Red eyes. Yeah, <laughs> red eyes. And which we actually, as we move on along, is actually one of the main uh, investigations that are going on in Detroit because there's an epidemic about this drug, actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she goes in, she has to, you know, obviously, because that's why she bought, uh, he bought her, is to clean out the house. So she's cleaning the house, and we encounter um, Alice, mm-hmm. uh, the daughter of this character. And, oh, um, we 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 kick the hate to like a an exponential you know after seeing how this character is treating Alice and i mean there's there's a lot of factors that that actually are real ongoing issues in societies that as you enter through the doorsteps you realize that there's a lot of domestic violence mm-hmm. there is drug abuse uh there's a lot of tension because he's an unstable individual mm-hmm. because of the drug abuse too uh and and it keeps tense the ambience in the game that's one of the things that keeps you in the edge of the seat too because mm-hmm. you are kind of experiencing it and then there's something i didn't want to miss to to mention actually about the game that makes it the more messed up is that every time that you have to make a decision you have a countdown like a little bar mm-hmm. that is running down and if you don't make a decision it's gonna go random it's out of your hands and it's still gonna affect the storyline of yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're forced to make a decision and you got to think quick. And I think that that's something that kind of ingrains to the player or the person that is experiencing it is that you actually don't have much to think. You have to be yourself along the game and make the decisions that you would do if you are in the shoes of the character you're playing in. Yeah. And, and I think also, I mean, you can be yourself, but it's, it has to do a lot, I believe, with the the state of mind that you have at that time because you can yeah. make different choices depending on your state of mind like maybe you play tomorrow and you have a you know you, you take different choices so the the interaction between these three characters cannot escalate to yeah. the point where now you have Kara this character and Alice the little girl in this room and 
Alice is faced with a scene where um, this character is about to, I don't know, maybe beat Alex or, yeah. or I mean, Alice or, or kill her or whatever it might be. It, it doesn't look good, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So now we're looking into the, um, the, the three laws of robotics. You know, Kara is a robot and her first rule is do not harm humans. Mm -hmm. And second rule is do not allow, I think it's do not allow um, uh, humans to, to be, be harmed. Harm. Yeah, to protect um, a human. But you have to look at rule number one and make sure that that's applied. So, well, regardless of what the rules are, she cannot allow or she cannot harm directly or allow the human to be harmed either by an action she take or whatever. So now we're seeing this interaction where she is not allowed to retaliate well, against Todd. If well if you look at the rules, the little girl, right? Mm -hmm. She's not allowed harm. She 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 cannot allow harm to befall on that little girl. But the way you can prevent it is to cause some harm on the dad. But this is the curious thing. We actually did find out that there is an outcome where you don't kill Todd and you get to escape. Yes. But yes. I mean, again, you grow, you, you ingrain yourself so much into the experience. By the time that that came to happen, I just wanted to kill him. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's like I was saying at the beginning of the uh, of, of this episode is uh, this is just what we encounter. And anybody listening here, if you if you actually play the game, you might not even see this at all. Because mm -hmm. it all depends on the actions that you take through the game. It's this like is, a blind puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. humongous puzzle. So, in our interaction, Kara was able to break her programming. Mm -hmm. And in and, and, and the terms that the, the game calls it, she becomes a deviant. Yes. So, she picks up the gun. Um, she had a little fight with um the dad alice's alice's dad and ends up shooting him mm -hmm. and then escape so it, it yeah that that scene was intense. not only enraging it was intense and it was stressful oh yes <laughs> it was i mean you know and and we actually got to play i think twice trying mm -hmm. to find out what was going on and every time that we did it I was determined to protect Alice at any cost. Mm -hmm. So it was not a priority for me to keep Todd alive by that yeah. point. I mean, the character plays out in a way that it is very hard for you to prioritize his safety over a little girl. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's pretty much the case. It's like, uh, I don't know where I heard this, but um, when there is a, an option, I think it was from lifeguards when you have an elderly and, and, a, and a young person they're always going to try to save that young person first mm -hmm. and then move on to the elderly that's true so we actually saw something like that on robotics logic uh theories that they played out in i robot movie for will smith mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. do the same thing uh basically based on health assessments and things like that uh they will determine who is the subject but i think that in the game this is not played out in the same way because there's an emotional factor linked mm -hmm. into it at the same time. 
Yeah. And and this is, uh, the, I guess, the, the scenery that this, or the world that this game um, illustrates is, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, this is a world where um, robots are attainable for humans. And mostly everybody has them in their home to do whatever they need. Um, you know, any, it ranges from <clears throat> manual manual work to maybe a, a kid that you want to have to uh, someone to clean up the house and companionship, a companionship, or a, a, whatever. Administrative it might be. work that you need done around your house, uh, chores and going to pick up your groceries and mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, you name it. It's kind of the same world. Uh, from that book that we read, his robot girlfriend yeah. from uh, Wes Allison. Um, so <clears throat> we have this world, but see what happens is um, somehow the robots, um, when you know the keyword, they become deviant, and they kind of waken up, mm -hmm. and they they realize that they are being treated unfairly, so they have no rights. So you can actually kill a robot and they are sentient and they don't want to die. But if you kill them, nothing really happens. You can just get another one. Um, they work for the owner and they get no compensation. They got absolutely no rights or representation. Yeah. So this character, uh, Marcus, and I think he's the one that suffered the most. He was being taken care of by uh, the character... Carl, Carl Carl Manfred. Yeah. What's the name of the character? He he became his dad, you know. And he taught him art. He 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 taught him everything. And his Carl's real son was actually taking advantage of Carl. Mm -hmm. And when he came in in defending Carl, he accidentally killed the son. So, remember they, robots don't have any rights. So when the police officers come in, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to shoot the robot because yep. they have no rights. They don't bother investigating what really happened. And There's no regard for the, robot, the robot's uh, well-being. Exactly. And, and it's really interesting how this game you know shows you this world because typically a robot is a robot but in, in this world they are sentient beings they're made out of circuits and you know they but beings all the same so carl says marcus as a son and he's telling him to escape mm -hmm. um and and this over here kind of triggers in marcus what's going on because um it, it's like for him he realizes life is completely unfair for humans i mean for robots yeah so i mean to the point where he actually gets shot and well at least in the scene and in, in the type of in the games that we the in the game that we played he gets well shot. we did actually try to save him in any possible way and we realized there's not a way to save him yeah and, and that's one of the things that until we find out later he got us frustrated because, like, we don't want Marcus to die. Like, we mm -hmm. like this guy and we want to keep on having him in the story. Uh, and no matter what you try, if you don't react to Leo when he's actually instigating and mm -hmm. hitting Marcus, uh, he just gets killed again. 
Because yeah. then what happens is that Carl Manfred, he gets a heart attack because of the stress that he's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you, and I mean, it's not like he really intentionally kills him. He just literally pushes him away and he falls on into a, a machine that is right behind and he, he, just, gets, head, he yeah. just dies because he gets hit in the head. Uh, so we actually, both of us, got pretty frustrated that we were not able to maintain Marcus at that point of the story alive. Yeah, and we realize the unfairness that ha- goes on, but at the same time, you look at Carl's Manfred behavior towards Marcus, and you understand that he's teaching him that not every human is the same too. Yeah, and he shows him, he shows them to identify that individuality that exists within each person or mm-hmm. each robot. It, it was in and and i remember i was we were kind of sad you know marcus oh i mean God. we tried everything every possible scenario to keep him alive and but you know we were greeted <laughs> with the nice surprise that he actually survived uh when we see him which by the way i did not recognize him at first uh he was in a graveyard full of broken robots i mean he was so broken you could see his face pretty well yeah, <laughs> I mean, I play, and this is something funny. When he died, and he dies so early in the storyline, and we tried everything we could to keep him alive, I went right away to the suspicion it's gonna, he's not dead. Something is gonna happen, but mm-hmm. he's not over. Well, and, it would make sense because we yeah. we played almost every scenario we can think of, and he was still Get dead yeah. at yeah. the end. So it's like you know. Maybe this is supposed to happen. Yep. <laughs> so we discovered that this is actually part of um, the development story of the character and, mm-hmm. and how he goes from being a very peaceful, caring uh, character mm-hmm. to a leader of the rebellion, the yep. robot rebellion. So, And I think, I think that that's something that plays hard on his personality. Uh, I always have this way of thinking. Uh, it is different when you had had a hard life mm-hmm. all along from the get-go that when you get to see the good life and then you're taking into the hard life. Yeah, and that's something that I think just uh, made Marcus grow up so fast. Is that he had a perfect life. He had the he was living in a mansion. He had the love of his master. Yeah. Um, as a father, he, he wasn't even looking uh, looking at him as a robot. He was looking at him as a son, and there's that caring relationship between these two characters. And all of a sudden, that's just ripped away from mm-hmm. him, and he's like the worst possible. I mean, most of the robots in there did not have that 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 worst. You know, I mean, honestly, I cannot recall one robot that had a relationship like Marcus had with his owner. No, no, I cannot. I cannot recall right now. Like, I don't think something like that happened. Uh, And that's what is actually depicted, I believe, even purposely on the game. Mm -hmm. Because you would think uh, you would understand by what the narrative of the game is. That's what the masses feel about it. I mean, we have spoken about this in previous episode, but it's that social stigma about accepting these artificial beings as equals. Mm-hmm. And you can see on the treatment that Carl and Marcos had all along that he, I don't think Carl ever regarded Marcus as an android. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that and, was never on his mind. 
and we we discovered that on the last part that they met uh and and it wasn't clear in the game if this was the Carl in his deathbed or not, but he actually made it very clear and told Marcus, you know, you are my son. We might not have the same blood, but you are my son. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, he actually told him, you know, you have to um, take the hard choices to defend your family. Mm -hmm. So he's he's kind of basically supporting him in his. his decision of becoming the leader of the rebellion and and therefore liberating the robots from humans. And I mean, along all the narrative between Marcus and Carl's interactions, Carl always was consistent to tell Marcus not to allow anybody to tell him what he is. Even Mm -hmm. before we had the first conflict with Leo, Carl's son, Carl didn't miss to actually tell this to Marcus. Mm -hmm. So, So you can see how Carl is actually ingraining in Marcus' mind the right way to be a free individual, regardless of what he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then we move on to <clears throat> the other character. Connor. Connor. <laughs> <clears throat> Connor. He is a prototype uh, android created by the same company that created all the companies, uh, all, the, all the robots Cyber of Cyberlife. And he is sent to the police in an attempt to stop the deviants. Yeah. And he gets assigned to my favorite character, Hank. Oh, yes. Clancy Brown. Awesome police officer. He keeps it so entertaining the whole way, man. <laughs> awesome police officer. And, and it's interesting to see, because we see it from the get-go, how he is actually a deviant, but he doesn't know it. Yeah. He is trying to always play it cool. He's a police officer. His, his mission, as any machine... Trying to stay noble. Trying to, to stop the deviants. And, but he's, all throughout the mission, he's making choices uh, uh, that would be made by deviants. And here's something key that I actually spotted uh, in the acting and the performance of Brian Descartes is that when you see the face of Connor in the interactions, even if you choose to act and talk like a robot with just a mission, Mm -hmm. his face uh, uh, movements, Mm -hmm. you can see some confusion. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can see that there's uh there's like a battle, internal battle going on inside of him. So no matter what outcome you choose to pick, the the actor and the game make sure to actually depict this behavior. And you notice something that I didn't even spot, but all along the story, you see some kind of weird message on the right corner saying like uh system uh uh lack of synchronization or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And and we are not realizing that it's because He's thinking he's, a, he's, he's just a regular android, but he's actually a deviant deceiving himself. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I, cannot, I cannot help but feel a little sorry for Connor because although everybody, every other robot knew who they were, um, you know, once they're woken up. Um, and, and I... You know, I, I, f- I can forgive those other robots that have not woken up, you know, because only a few robots are prototype. We have 
Kara, we have Marcus, and we have Connor. And those were. And I don't think Kara was. I don't think that Kara was actually a prototype. Oh, okay. I, I think that based on the research we did, she was the first one to break free yeah, from the program. You're right. But Connor, it's actually a prototype. I don't know if you noticed. And Marcus was too. Yeah. And this is something that we realized long, later on in the game because of events that we're going to talk in a little bit. But they actually depict that Marcus came from a very specific origin that points out why he is, how he is, and the abilities that he has that you don't see actually any other androids showing mm-hmm. this. Not yeah. even Kara does this. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel a little sorry for Connor. Because Connor, just like Marcus, he's awakened. Mm-hmm. And he is actually being used by Cyberlife. Yeah. Against yes. his own self and against his own people. Yeah. So he's been... And, and you know, this is kind of interesting. We we're, we're seeing at the beginning how Connor meets this uh, woman named Amanda. Yeah. And this sand garden that we discovered later on that it was actually all in his head oh my god that was so tricky man we didn't find <laughs> out what to almost the end of the whole game this crap is going on all inside his head yeah and, and i kind of had this the hint because i don't know if you remember when hank says like hey connor what the heck are you doing come on and he and, was just standing there stupefied with the, the little light going uh, and his, his eyes closed and, and that's when uh, Going back to that scene, uh, I I can I can definitely say now that that's what happened and how it looked like from the outside when Connor went to see Amanda. Yep. So uh, Amanda was all about Connor finding and destroying the deviants. Yep, stopping them and and to maintain Cyber Life's business running smoothly. Yeah, because that was what seemed to be Amanda's main concern at all points yep. and, and it kind of messed up because we we see this Amanda and we see her as his superior so we want to maintain a good point of trust and like I mentioned earlier on the episode there is this indicator that shows you your stance with every single relationship each character has with everybody yep. so every every action that you take you can see in a form of a reaction if it's, if it goes down color red or up uh, color green blue blue blue, uh, blue, yeah. blue. so um you want uh, typically you want blue because that means that you you're getting a, a lot more trusted of between the you know interaction between the two mm-hmm. characters so you typically don't want red and that's basically what we were doing and so in our interaction we were trying to make her feel um that she can trust us mm-hmm. and that she can, you know, she can trust that we can get the job done, basically. Yep. And we see the same thing happen on an interaction with Hank and everybody else in, in, in the way. Now, towards the end, we're like, dude, she doesn't have the best interest in our... In- we are like, screw Amanda, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, 
you know, this is something that kind of ingrains a lot into human psychology and like all wisdoms that I talk about so much is that you cannot be on the good side with the devil and with God at the same time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. at some point in the story, you're going to have to end up deciding to let somebody down so you can actually go for the outcome that you, you think is the best. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to mean that you're going to actually uh, deteriorate your relationship with some of the characters. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And it becomes difficult because when you start the game, you want to be in good stance with everybody because it, man it man maintains your anonymity about your decision making on a better point with mm -hmm. anybody because nobody is to expect what you're going to choose. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it it's just a brain fork, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I cannot remember... Connor's turning point. Um, they have investigated many cases, including the case with Kara. Uh, and throughout the investigation, they're looking at this, you know, letters, RA9, all oh, over yes. the place. And we're like wondering who the heck, what the heck is RA9? And I told you at the beginning that I thought it was Amanda. Mm -hmm. So... The interaction, Connor and um, and and um, Hank, they actually run out of uh, leads. Yeah. So they actually went to the house of the creator of cyber, the retired creator of Cyberlife, um, which Elia um, Kamsky. Kamsky. Yeah. And I think that was a turning point for. Um, for Connor for and for Connor. Hank's relationship and yeah. for the whole storyline too. Because uh, in, in this interaction, he, um, Laya, uh, told uh, Connor that, you know, he's basically, he's a robot and he believes that he is, he, he's actually having his self-interest in front of everybody else. Mm -hmm. So in, in short words, she's telling him that, you know, he's a deviant and he doesn't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. So to prove it, he gets one of his um, servants. Uh, actually, the main one, the one that receives them at the door. Yeah. Which is actually the Android that every time you go to the main menu is waiting for you. Yep. The before hostess. you start the game. Yep. So he gives Connor a gun. And he says... He puts her on her knees. And, uh -huh. he, and he tells him... Uh, Connor asks him, what's RA9? And then Elia Kamsky tells him... He makes him aim the gun to the face of the android. And tells him, I'm going to tell you what. If you shoot her right now... I'm going to tell you everything about RA9. And if you don't... You will never know. Mm -hmm. And I mean... It's, it's a tricky moment because... You're following a code of ethics about depending on how you feel. I mean, if you're more thirsty about the knowledge or if you actually are trying to find an ethical code where you want to try to save as much of your own kind as possible and kill as less people as possible, it's going to be hard for you. <laughs> and that, that is the player's choice. Mm -hmm. So in one hand, you get to shoot this person and complete your mission as a robot of knowing and in, in, in essence, solving the case. On the other hand, you're killing a robot that is sentient. Mm -hmm. So you will eventually be a killer, um, but you will know... It, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, 
you're caught between these two choices. You know, do I kill her? Do I not kill her? We chose not to kill her. Mm -hmm. Well, here's something important that we missed. Mm -hmm. We actually skipped the part that uh, uh, Marcus and Jericho's team go into the broadcast station to make the message and the mission where Connor goes and actually investigate after they do the whole infiltration thing, they do a war, uh, nationwide broadcast mm -hmm. requesting for Andrews to have equal rights and things, which I think is something very deep mm -hmm. that touches actually social issues about inequality. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think that this game went beyond its time in what actually human history has been consistently through centuries and millenniums. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And basically, you notice, uh, uh, the first time that we played that mission, it wasn't until the third time that we tried, that we realized when he's looking at the uh, uh, like the, the tips and looking at the face of, Con, uh, of Marcus mm -hmm. in the screen, that it gives you the information that Marcus was a gift from Elia to Carl Manfred. Mm -hmm. So that's when we realized, oh, so this is why Marcus is different. Marcus was given to Carl by the the actual creator mm -hmm. of the androids yeah and that kind of bugged me up when we go to meet elia and you see that he's so cold against androids yeah so when we're in between death or life to, to forgive this android just for the sake of knowing who the heck is ra9 it's so tricky and at the same time it even makes it more of a brain fart that hank being a human he's completely sympathetic for androids yep. along the whole story every time that you make a decision that implicates hurting or killing an android you lose with him yes but he yes. doesn't show sympathy for androids and a whole like whenever he talks to connor he's a total asshole about about mm -hmm. androids he's like oh fucking plastic pricks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a plastic prick <laughs> <laughs> so so i mean this part where we met elia was completely traumatizing we were like what the heck is going on in here <laughs> yeah and, and and the thing that kind of like twists my head is when you think about the fact of ra9 and, and like i said before i i thought that it was amanda but it, it turns out that amanda was the creator of cyber life yeah and she she created Elia. Mm -hmm. And when Elia became self-sentient, Elia killed Amanda and made it into a computer program. And this is funny because when we're playing, I was the one with the controller, and I'm going around the living room while we're waiting before we meet Kasim. Mm -hmm. And you're the one that noticed, oh, wait, there's a picture in the wall with Amanda and Kasim. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck is going on in here? <laughs> yeah. So it turns out that Elia is technically he's R9 and he created this virus, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. that um, gives the robots a choice um, if they want to be free or not. And it's apparent when you, when you played, like you actually played Kara at the beginning and how you it's represented in, in a wall where you're actually disobeying a direct order yes and based on your actions on the controller you get to be free of that and this is something that you know um it was inherent in um connor and it was inherent in 
Marcus as well. Mm -hmm. But Kara was the first one to, who broke into, you know, broke free, basically. Yeah. So he's actually created this into the programming of every cyber life robot. Yeah. And the cool thing about Marcus is Marcus has the ability to basically remove that block with a touch. Yes. So he just touches and it got really intense because towards the end, especially on the march, oh, when they yeah. were marching in Detroit, it was, uh, whoa, he was just looking at a, at a, at a section. Honestly, it's just what <laughs> you say. He's just like a walking Android Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's just looking in this way and all the robots in that section convert. And yeah. then he looked at the other way and all the robots in that section convert. And, and he's just raising his hands as he walks around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's really interesting how Elijah, you know, we learned this about about him. So I mean, what what other parts do you do you uh, kind of like brings to mind when you when you think about the gameplay that we had and the story that we played i mean honestly when we were doing the broadcasting mission when connor is investigating because we kind of uh grew an attachment for certain parties mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. actually we end up and don't judge us guys we are pro-life and everything <laughs> but we end up feeling sympathy for the Andres because again it's just something that they actually say along the, along the game when they're being attacked in Jericho mm -hmm. and it is true that we humans are just completely destructive and we have behaved like that throughout the whole history mm -hmm. of, our, of our kind yep. uh, and, and I mean that's how we behave we actually have discussed this in other episodes where this behavior is again and again and again depicted because it has been that way so i mean this game just made me think so much that my brain will <laughs> <laughs> well we you know we in that scene actually we actually fell for simon yeah uh, he was hurt in the mission and he, he was hiding he was left behind in the roof yeah they jumped off the roof of this of the tv station he, he, he couldn't under his condition he could not possibly get into a parachute and successfully do the jump so this is the messed up part is as the player you are now taking control of connor which is the police officer investigating what you did with connor with, with marcus <laughs> yeah so you know where simon is at and you have to make a conscious decision as to do i catch it or do i catch simon or do i let him go and we chose to let him go only because we were able to, um, how do you say it, um, justify the third parachute. Was it the third parachute? Yes, yes, because basically what happens is we find out that there, there were androids actually looking at the camera. And they actually noticed there was no breaking into the TV station. So mm -hmm. with that, it leaves a lot of eye for Simon. Because they realized, okay, there was an Android that was actually working in here that allowed them to come in mm -hmm. and infiltrate the building. So you get to literally pick in between either catching Simon, and mm -hmm. that's how the mission ends, or you can go look around the roof, make sure that you don't go towards where Simon is, mm -hmm. and then you go back and question the three Androids that were doing the camera observation work, mm -hmm. where you're going to break one in, 
till he's gonna literally wrestle you, try to kill you, and then you actually get to pick if he's, depending on what you choose, this android is gonna attempt to escape after he stab you and literally try to get your heart out of your chest mm -hmm. and probably save everybody on the floor or do a wrong decision where you're gonna try to save everybody on the floor but everybody's gonna be dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, so that's, we like Simon. So we decided, okay, let's make this robot the, you know, the, um, the, 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 robot. the guilty party. Yeah, the right. guilty party in this mission. The and scapegoat, if the you want to call it something. <laughs> and, and then we can live, and, and we actually are glad that we made that decision because towards the end, we can see how Simon came back. Because mm -hmm. we were kind of worried. We never saw Simon, so we figured, okay, you know, he was hurt. Maybe he bleed out and, you know, he's dead, but he came back. So throughout this whole thing, we, we see the revolt of or the robots, how they, ri they rise against. Yeah, they actually go into Detroit and do a hacking where they start liberating droids from the store. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, I mean, to me, that was something very touching in the in the game too, mm -hmm. because uh, again, it's about freedom of speech. It's about freedom mm -hmm. in a whole. It's about being free to choose what we want, and it's it's very it's very uh, inflictive because if you look at it, they're robots, but they have their own cognitive decisions to make. Mm -hmm. They have consciousness. They want to be alive. They are capable of feeling emotions yeah just as a human yeah. so so it makes you think are they alive or not yeah. and then yeah. and then they're just doing a whole revolution yeah all yeah. across the city so yeah we see uh through the interaction how Kara was trying to get to canada um so she can be free from um, you know this everything that's going on. Um, she escaped um, a, a a fate from this house where she could have been deleted. Mm -hmm. And um, it, we this is how we discovered the, the next character in here, which is Luther. Um, so now Luther, Kara, and Alice are on their way to Canada. And that trip, I can tell you, I think is one stressful trip. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, as you're going through all the road, you you see androids getting executed in the sidewalk. Yeah. And, I mean, it makes you think, are we going to be the next ones to be stopped? <laughs> oh, and there's a scene where we're actually, because we actually were able to get a passport from Marcus's, uh, one of the Marcus's robots that used to work for the uh, State Department and was mm -hmm. able to create some passports for, you know, Luther and Karen Kara Alice. and Alice to show that they're like human. And there was a scene where you had to make a choice. Do you go the fast way, which is actually the riskiest way, or do you go the safe way, which... It's straightforward you, through the checkpoint. <laughs> which might, yeah, and the safe way is, is actually gives you the possibility that you might get to the bus late. Mm -hmm. And that part was really stressful because we, uh, we decided to go the... the, the, the the high risk way because it was the fastest way and it was really stressful because we went straight to the checkpoint and there's police officers there and 
um, Luther was just keeping me really stressed because Luther just wanted to jump. This It's like he kept on saying, you know, they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. You know, we got to do something. You got to protect Alice. And I, I don't know if you remember, I was telling Luther, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> just stay still, you know. And yes, yeah, it was that was a really stressful. And thank God they can telepathically talk because you imagine if Carol would have to be telling him out loud on his on her voice when she has three guards around her, don't do anything. Yeah. They're gonna the guards were gonna be like, "What the heck is going on here?" Yeah. <laughs> and, and the stressfulness doesn't stop there. We get to the checkpoint. Well, I mean, we get to the part the part where the the bus is at, and we realize that we need bus tickets mm -hmm. so now okay now what we got the password we need bus tickets and their last bus was about because the plan was we can go buy the tickets right yeah but we get there and we discover that they're not selling any more tickets there's and a curfew the, there's a curfew and the last bus is leaving mm -hmm. so we found this couple and now there's a decision to be made by Kara. This the couple. There's a you know couple and a and a, and a baby and a baby. Um, they in their hurry, they drop their you know their tickets, the bus tickets, and Kara picks them up. So now you have a choice. Oh, do you keep it? Because they come back and ask you, you know, if you you've seen the get ticket twice, the chance to give it back. And we decided not to give them up because. Of one reason. Honestly, I think they would be okay because they're human. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're going to be, you know, detained. They can't go in. They, they'll get stuck in this whole thing. But we have a, a greater chance of being destroyed by staying. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why we decided to, to just keep it and go on the bus. And, I mean, you, you think about it. They are scanning every walking being to find out if they're humans or not. Well, so the that, moment that a human gets scanned, they get off. That was the next part that I was thinking. It's like, you know, the stress doesn't stop there because they get in the bus, they go into the the, the the actual... The border. The border, <laughs> in Canada. Canada border. And and they're, they're in customs, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when we discover, oh crap, they're scanning. They, they, they have um, heat sensors. Uh, every um, customs officer... And they're scanning everyone that's coming across Canada. And it's like, okay, that's it. We're done. Yeah. So, yeah, the stress level just, when you think it could, couldn't get any higher, it does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, again and again, throughout the game, you, can, you, you get to make um, unethical or ethical decisions, depending on your party of interest, where you might actually have to sacrifice somebody else for you to be able to go on like mm -hmm. in the border for example uh when we are going through the border it's just carrying alice and we get to find luther which is about to be killed if we get to save him mm -hmm. and we save him together with another android and Kara actually gets you get to choose in between not telling him anything or to ask him to actually create a diversion by just running off in the middle of the border line and basically once they shoot him they are way too distracted to actually scan you so they let you go. Yeah. Uh, but you actually get to pick if you want that guy to actually throw himself to death for yeah, you to actually yeah. be able to continue. And, it, <laughs> and it is, it's, it's sad because you actually are sending someone to death. Um, and, and, but if you think about it, that couldn't, 
could have ended up badly too mm -hmm. because you know you could distract it but it all depends on that officer yeah. and i think the turning point was when that officer looked how scared alice was yeah he decided not to scan them and just tell them welcome to canada and i mean tricky thing is by then uh when when Kara, luther and alice arrived to jericho they find out something that you and I had a doubt about. It was that Alice was not an actual human kid. Yes. Alice was an, a, a robot. And if you think about it, oh, we start getting doubts about this when we notice that it's been days and she has not eaten anything, but she's able to just stand up and go around and just feels uh, emotionally yeah. weak only. Mm -hmm. You don't see any, any physical effects on a kid that hasn't eaten for days on end and going through cold and through very yep. excruciating physical uh, experiences. And then their interaction, you know, between Kara and Alice, it, it's, it's on point. Mm -hmm. Because if you are getting the model, the, uh, let's call it the Alice model mm -hmm. robot from CyberLife, that robot's mission is to, to make you feel needed. And then Kara, Kara's model, is to care for you. Mm -hmm. So you put the make you feel needed to the care. <laughs> and they just go together. Uh-huh. But, but again, it's something that Luther tells her on Jericho's uh, ship that also ingrained in my personality. I felt very deep into that is when he tells him, when he tells her, um, do you gonna offer less any less now that you know she's one of us as an mm -hmm. android? And then he tells her maybe that's what means being alive is to mm -hmm. to forget about yourself to take care of somebody else. Yeah. And to give yourself to them. And then he tells her she was a daughter that you needed and you were the mother that she needed. Yep. Yeah. So I mean the game the game it's like a movie man. It, mm -hmm. it has so many deep moral messages that doesn't really apply to these fictional uh, characters that are robots. It actually applies to all of us as humans. It has a beautiful message on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this game. And, and I was telling you, the first time that I played it, I was unlucky, and unlucky enough that the CD was scratched. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this time I got to play it... Um, uh, to its completion and i am i am glad i did and not only that glad for that but glad that i showed you that game because mm -hmm. um, i don't think you have seen it before yeah i did not so i mean <clears throat> i i love to hear from you guys you know like have you played this game <clears throat> have if you haven't i i strongly recommend it i think it's only for playstation 4 yeah uh, I mean, there's a Steam version, so if you oh, have yes. a computer that can't play it, go ahead and delete. But um, you can download it uh, from Steam. But I strongly recommend you guys, if you are a gamer, you want to play this game. And then let us know what you think. I mean, this is an amazing game. I think that everybody that is into sci-fi, into Androids and things like this, you have to experience this. I mean, this is not just a game. This is an experience <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know i'm really curious to know if you guys let us know what what alternate endings you end up with i mean like i said you look it up on on, on youtube 
and you find so many possible scenarios. And I mean, it, and I don't know if you notice when when we're looking at the career path, you oh, know, yes. you see how many locked uh, possible forks every there single are. time, every single stage that we went through. There was we didn't make even half of the things that we could yeah. have unlocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, this game is something that you can just play back and forth and continue to discover new things. Uh, it doesn't stop to amaze. Yeah. I think that this is one of the best games ever I have played. <laughs> yeah, and and another question that you had is like, uh, are we are we headed that way? Um, I mean, we see the advance in technologies. I mm -hmm. mean, we, we have now robots, but uh, I, I think to the level that it displays, I still we're I think we're still far off. Um, I, I I mean the the game says uh, it was twenty thirty eight. Um, which is what you know over ten years right oh, now. Yes. From now, right now is about eighteen years. From now. Yeah. So, but I think we're farther into that. I, I uh, maybe forty. I don't before know. we can get to that. I, point. I mean, I see how I, I see how AI on its own is developing, mm -hmm. and I see uh, like this game and many other things keep me curious about how robotics and androids that we are already creating are being far and far more developed and it makes me think that we're not 10 years away from actually having something very close to that if not that cool so but well, i mean just time will tell really <laughs> oh yeah yeah okay well let us know what you think well this is the end of our show for now please do let us know if you like this episode and if you have any ideas about which topics you would like us to discuss in our next episodes remember you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant. And if you like this podcast, share it and rate us in your favorite podcast platform. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off. <laughs>